0: Amen. Hey, this is what I'm going to talk about this morning, and then we're going to go, we're going to go party. But here's, anyway, I want to talk about your comeback, your comeback. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell him it's time for a comeback. Now say it like you've had a couple of cups of coffee. You ready? Look at him again. Look at the other person, the one you ignored the first time. Tell him it's time for your comeback. Come on, if you believe it, put your hands together and give the Lord praise. That's what I want to talk about this morning. So, Father, we ask that you would just bless our time remaining. We ask God that you would speak to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And everyone said amen. Frank Wright was the backup quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. Anybody remember this game? A couple of us old-timers. Go ahead and put your hands back down. <laughs> Hey, we have a Pittsburgh fan up here. I need an usher to escort him out. (laughs) How did this even happen? How did he even get put on the front row? I don't understand this. (laughs) You just broke the anointing. Come on. But uh, he was forced into action because the Hall of Fame quarterback, Jim Kelly, was hurt. And um, so he had to come in and he had to... obviously um, quarterback this game. And um, the Houston Oilers, by the way, it's ironic that they're no longer the Houston Oilers. They are the Tennessee Titans, all right? And um, so they had already, their equipment managers had already begun to pack things up and were making reservations to go to Pittsburgh. Sorry, I just had to cuss, but they had to go. To, <laughs> And so... Enter Frank Reich, and he has the honor of engineering the greatest comeback in NFL playoff history. And this is what he kept telling his teammates all throughout the game. He kept telling them, it's not too late. It's not too late. We still have time to win. It's not too late. We still have time to win. When they interviewed him after the game, He said, my motto is this. My motto motto is never give up. Say that with me. Never Never give up. No matter what obstacles, no matter what you're facing, your mindset, your attitude, your demeanor has to be, I'm never going to give up. It's not over until God says it's over, right? And he he said, it's just my mindset to fight to the very end. How many of you know you just have to keep fighting until you can fight your way through some of the things that you're facing right now? But I thought about this, and I I just think that's the kind of God that we serve. We serve a God no matter how bad it looks, no, no matter how far down we might get in life. God says, I'm never giving up on you. God says, you're never out. God says it's never too late for your comeback. How many of you believe that this morning? It's never too late for your comeback. As a matter of fact, the Bible, the Bible is full of comeback stories. There are numerous examples uh, of comeback stories in the Bible of individuals who, who overcame great obstacles and great setbacks in their life and who overcame and came back to accomplish great things for God. I think about men like Abraham. Abraham made many mistakes. Now, I know none of us in this room have ever made a mistake, but let's just pretend we have. Abraham made many mistakes in his life, But God still permitted Abraham a comeback, and he became the father of of the Jewish nation. Joseph had a great comeback. He was a slave. He was a prisoner. And then he had a comeback where he became second in command of all of Egypt. Moses had a comeback. He was in hiding for 40 years after committing murder, and God used him to lead his nation back out of Egypt into the promised land. David had a great comeback in his life. David, after, his, after, his, after committing adultery with Bathsheba, the Bible records these words after he humbled himself and repented unto God. The Bible said that David was a man after God's own heart. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament tells us that he he was a persecutor of Christians, even had Christians killed. But Jesus got a hold of his life, turned his life around. He is the author of 13 of the New Testament books that we enjoy reading and learning from. How many of you know God is the God of the comeback? I don't care who you are. I don't care what mistakes you made. I don't care what you've done in your past. Your future is bright. In God. These are wonderful examples of, of individuals that had great comebacks in their, in their life. And then you can look at the Bible because really the Bible is a comeback story. When you look at God's people, the nation of Israel, after they had fallen away from God over and over again, God continued to bring them back for whatever condition they were in. And it's the same way with you and I. When we mess up and when we sin against God and we desperately need a Savior, enter Jesus. Jesus was the sacrifice for our sins so that we might be able to draw close to the Father and to have the ultimate comeback. Whenever Jesus is in the story, it's never too late for a comeback. Whenever Jesus is in the picture, it's never too late for God to bring you back. And I want you to know this morning, if you don't know anything else or hear anything else, I want you to hear this. You are able to have a comeback in your life. It's never too late. Amen? As a matter of fact, the greatest comeback in history belongs to God. When the devil thought he had defeated Jesus and his body lie in a borrowed tomb for three days, how many of you know God had a comeback plan? Jesus himself told his enemies, put me in the tomb and three days later... I'll be back. He wasn't Arnold wasn't the first one to tell us I'll be back. <laughs> Jesus said I'll be back. Put me in this tomb and I will be back. And so, when you look at the story and you find the resurrection of Jesus, you understand it is the greatest comeback story known to man. Aren't you thankful today that we serve a God who can bring dead things back to life? Now, I'm going to talk about it right here, because some of you are in this building right now, and you're wondering, can God bring it back? Can God restore it? Can God revive it? And my answer to you is yes, he can, and yes, he will. If he could raise Jesus from the dead. Your problem's not too big for God. Come on and put your hands together if you believe that today. Some of you are saying, well, you don't know what I have to come back from. Well, let me share a couple of things with you. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 14, verse number four. It says this, like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be received or recovered. So we must die. But that is not what God desires. Rather, he he devises ways. Look at this. He devises ways so that the banished person does not remain banished from him. Here's what this scripture teaches us. This scripture teaches us that when we go through the spilt milk seasons of our life, we serve a God who devises plans whereby all that which was scattered will be gathered and brought back to him again. God has a way church of regathering. He has a way of regaining, reclaiming, restoring, refreshing, renewing your life no matter what came out of your life and no matter what your situation looks like. God said, "I am devising a plan to bring back you or to bring you back to wholeness and to bring you back to life." God is the one who makes a way where there seems to be No way. I'm just trying to give God some glory in this house and let somebody know you can have a comeback. God has a plan. Say, God has a plan. Would you look at this scripture in Job with me? God has a plan. For there is hope. Say, there's hope. Hope. There is hope for a tree. Let me stop and just talk about this because the tree is symbolic of us. The tree is symbolic of people. I'll show you that in a moment. If it's cut down, anybody ever been cut down? Anybody ever been brought down? Anybody ever been brought low? Yes, you have. It sprouts again and grows tender new branches. Though its roots have grown old. Anybody think you're too old to have a comeback? No, I don't think so either. Though it's grown old in the earth and its stump decays, it may sprout and bud again Watch this at the touch of water, like a new seeding. So if anybody, if anyone could identify with a comeback, it has to be Job, right? You remember Job. Think about his comeback. Job lost everything. He lost his children, he lost his health, he lost his wealth, he lost his friends, he lost his he, he, he lost everything. He lost his status. He lost all of these things, but yet God turned it around and God gave Job a great comeback. And this is what you need to know. One of the things that we, you and I need in our life, if we are going to have a comeback, we need the touch of water in our life. Some of you know I'm going to talk about it and explain it. So here it is. Water is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 7, he said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. He said, this is the Spirit of God. He was speaking about the Holy Spirit of God. So if you and I are going to have a comeback in our life, all we need is a touch of water in our life. And if there's a touch of water in your life, you are a cancer for a comeback this morning. All you need is a touch from the Holy Spirit for things to begin to turn around in your life. Let me tell you something. As long as you have a touch of water on that marriage, it can blossom again. As long as you have a touch of water on your family, it can blossom again. As long as you have a touch of water on that business, it can blossom again. Why? Because wherever there is a touch of water, you how you can have a comeback in your life. Psalms chapter 1, verse 3 talks about a blessed man. This is what it says. A blessed man, here it is, is like a tree. A blessed man is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields fruit in its season. There it is, the analogy we are like trees and he says in order for you to be blessed and in order for you to have a comeback you have to be planted say i have to be planted too many of us are uprooted in and out up and down god says if you want to come back you got to be planted but you just can't plant it anywhere you got to be planted the bible says where in the house of the lord They that are planted in God's house will blossom, will. Prosper. And so, in order for you and I to have the comeback that God desires for our life, we have to be planted. We have to be connected. And I'm telling you right now, if you'll just determine in your mind that you're going to get planted, you're going to get connected to a life giving source, I'm telling you, you become a candidate for a comeback in your life. Nudge your neighbor and tell him, get planted, get planted, get planted. Get planted. Mm. Get planted. It's time to be planted in the house of the Lord. So we got to have a plan. So we have a, we, we we need a plan. You remember the story of the prodigal son? Trying to talk about a comeback. You know the prodigal son. He said, "You know what? Give me my inheritance." Which in the culture of that day, here's what he was telling his father. He was telling his father, I wish you were dead. Just give me my inheritance. And so the father who will never override your will gives him what he willed. And he goes, and you know what the Bible says, that he was doing all right at first. And he grew further and further away from the father in the father's house. And then he found himself in a pig's pen and everybody had left him and he's by himself. And this is what the Bible said. He said, you know what? At least the servants in my father's house have enough bread to spare. And this is where I pick up the story. Luke 15 and verse 20. So he got up, say get up. He got up and went to His father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion, not condemnation. He was filled with compassion because some of us think that God's out to get us. He's not out to get you, He's out to save you, He's out to deliver you. You may have been part of a church that condemned you. But God has compassion on you. Where you are, what you're going through, and what your situation is right now. Some of us are afraid to come back and get planted in the house of the Lord because of the experience that we've had in the past where we've been made to feel condemned and unworthy and not wanted. But I'm telling you, God. There is now no more condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Amen? We thank God for that. Now, watch this. So, he had compassion for him and he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. I'm gonna give you your path for a comeback. The first decision you have to make is you gotta get up. Say, get up. up. You can't sit in the pig pen. You gotta get up. You can't sit in the pig pen of your mistakes. You cannot sit in the pig pen of your decisions and your failures. You have to get up. You cannot sit in a place of self-pity and try to throw yourself a pity party because guess what? Nobody's showing up. Nobody's going to show up to that pity party. You have to make a decision that I'm going to get up from this. I'm going to get up from where I'm at. I'm going to get up from this circumstance. I'm going to get up from this situation. I'm not going to sit here and let this be the final chapter of my life. I'm not going to let this thing define me. I'm going to get up and move forward. If you're away from God, this is what God's looking for. He's simply looking for you to make a move towards him. Because the moment the Son got up and turned towards the Father, the Bible lets us know that the Father turned towards Him. Some of us think that we have to get it all together, that we have to straighten everything out, and then we'll come back to God. That's not how it works. Because I tried. I couldn't get it together. I couldn't straighten everything out. I don't have that kind of power, but I serve a God who does. And you can't wait until you get it together because you'll never have it together. You just got to make a decision. I'm going to get up and I'm going to turn back to God. I just know I'm heading in the wrong direction. I know I'm with the wrong people. I know I'm on the wrong path. And I'm going to turn around and I'm going to go back to my father. Here's what I want you to notice in this story. When the son turned to the father, the father came running after him. And I wondered, why in the world would the father come running after the son? And it dawned on me, the son couldn't get back to the father. The father had to go get him. You can make a turn And you can make a decision in your heart that you're going to come back to God and you're going to come back to the house of God and you're going to come back to the people of God, but you're not going to get there on your own. It's going to take the power and the strength of the Father to bring you back fully into his house. How many of you believe that this morning? So many people try to fix their lives by themselves, but I want to tell you something. The sun could never cover his shame by himself. He could never cover his guilt. He could not hide the stench of the pig pen. He could not quit his habits on his own. But when he got up and made a decision to return to the father, the father ran after him. And I'm just letting somebody know in this building today, Daddy's just waiting for you to turn. And when you turn towards him, he's going to come and get you. And he's going to bring you back to his place. And he has some things. In mind for you, because the Father has already orchestrated your comeback. I want you to look at this. Luke chapter 15, verse 22 says this. But the Father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. How many of you know that robe represents the robe of righteousness? The Father said, We'll put the robe of righteousness on him today. The Bible lets us know that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. You can never be good enough to earn your way into God's favor. I don't care how many good things you do. It does not make you righteous. What makes you righteous is Jesus. He is the righteousness of God. Amen. And so when you accept him, you become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and all of the guilt and all of the shame from the pig pen, the way we have lived our life in the past, he washes all of that away and we, we begin to walk in his righteousness. That's why you can't live in your past. Some of you are still back there. You're carrying guilt. You're carrying condemnation. You're carrying all this, all this junk that you accumulated in your past, but you have to understand that when you came to Jesus, he took all of that filth off of you and he, he clothed you with his righteousness. So when the father looks at you, he doesn't see your past. He sees your today and he sees his son on the inside of you and you are able to stand righteous before him. And God says, you're my son and you're my daughter. Amen. Every team has a uniform. Every team has a uniform. I love the throwback Jim Brown jersey on today. Every team has a, jer- has a uniform. Saw three guys out front lined up with Baker Mayfield jerseys on. Think about that for a moment. Three guys together with a Baker Mayfield jersey on. Somebody, six, six, separate those guys right now. <laughs> Get out of that. So when you come back to the father, he puts his uniform on you. And you're identified. The the uniform identifies what team you're on. How many are on Team Jesus? Wave at me. Come on, put your hands together. I'm almost done, I promise. 82 more minutes. I'm almost done, I promise. And then he put a ring on his finger that represents the gift of God in his life, restoring his gift. Now, The son thought that I'm going to have to earn my way back into favor with the father. So this is what he told the father. He said, just let me be one of your servants. And the father said, nonsense. He said, you don't have to earn your way back into this thing. I paid the price for you to be who you are. And so when you come back, you come back where you left off. I need to say that again. When you come back, you come back to where you left off. You don't go all the way back and start over. You come right here, right where you walked out, right where you left God, and you pick up right here and keep moving on. The Bible says the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. In other words, once God gives you that gift, he never takes it back. God's never going to take that gift back from you. So as you come back and God puts you back on the team, understand that he's given you a gift and that gift is to be used for his glory and his honor. Just look at your neighbor and tell him it's time to get in the game. Come on, tell him it's time to get in the game. Come on, tell him we need you. The team needs you. Help me preach right now. The team needs you. You need to take your place. You need to find your position because we are sons and daughters who serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on, if you believe it, put your hands together and give him praise. I got nine minutes. And then he put shoes on his feet because when you were a slave, they took your shoes away because they didn't want you to run away. So they would take your shoes away and you would be identified as a slave if you didn't have shoes. And so the father says, he's no longer a slave. He's a son. Because who the son sets free is free indeed. Any free people in the room right now? Come on, any free people here today? And so he puts shoes on us so that we can walk in victory. And it helps us and it keeps us from slipping up. Our feet, the Bible said in Ephesians chapter 6, are covered with the gospel of peace. So the gospel provides footing for everything we do, it is our foundation. I don't care how powerful the rest of your body is. Has anybody ever had a hurt toe? a hurt foot. I don't care how much upper strength you have. I don't care how powerful these legs might be. If that foot is messed up, you're messed up. Right? And so that's a foundation. And if the feet are messed up, then we become easy prey for our enemy. This is why our feet have to be shed are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In other words, we have to stand on God's word. We have to stand on God's truth. It's the foundation. We won't be able, the enemy won't be able to push us off of that. We won't slip up so easily as we stand on the foundation of the word of God. Listen to me. You can't make it back to the father on your own. He has to come and help you get back to him. Amen? And he'll clothe you and put on you what you need to live a victorious life. Here's the last point. Closing number two. I want to talk about the power. Many of you are familiar with the story of the strong man, Samson. It's just my interpretation. I don't really have any proof of this, but it's my interpretation. I don't believe that Samson physically looked strong I don't think he was this huge bodybuilder type guy I think that's what confounded his enemies here's this puny guy I would say this Pee Wee Herman looking guy but I may date myself with that who would it be today y'all ain't as hip as anybody else in this room (laughs) I I think that's what confounded his enemies. I mean, look, to look at him, it's like, where does he get his strength from, right? And so we know that he had taken a Nazarite vow to serve God, he was in covenant with God. And the hair was part of that vow, he was not to cut his hair. But his power didn't rest in in his hair, His power power rested in what his hair represented, and that was his covenant and his relationship with God, which he severed. And God gave him time and chance over and over. And you know the story. You know what happened. Delilah, you got to watch out for Delilah. She wore him down, nagging him constantly. The secret of your strength. What's the secret of your strength? He said, it's in my locks. He said, you cut these locks of hair, you'll find my strength. And as long as he had those locks, the Philistines could not conquer him. Those locks represent standards. Hear me. They represent standards in which you and I are called to live by. And as long as we keep those standards, we lock the devil out. We keep him at bay. We stay strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Now watch what happens when you compromise standards. Verse 21 of the book of Judges. Look at this. Then the Philistine seized him, gouged out his eyes, took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding grain in the prison. The first thing they did was removed his eyes. They took away his vision for a better day. That's what the enemy wants to do to us. Whenever we start this backward, downward spiral away from God, he wants to take that vision away of a better day. He wants to take the vision of God away from us. He wants to take that vision that God has for your life away. And the second thing he did was he bound his hands. We know the hands represent power. He put them in shackles. He lost his power to overcome Symbolically for us, it's the hand is symbolic of our praise. Symbolic of our prayer life. And whenever we lose our praise and whenever we lose our prayer life, we lose our power. So now he's powerless. And then he loses his ability to fight. Because the Bible said they tied him to a pole. And he was going round and And round every day, grinding wheat to make bread for the Philistines. He was making bread for his enemies. Lean in, I'm almost done. The Philistines were supposed to be his enemy from from forever, his arch enemy. Instead of fighting his enemies, he's now feeding his enemy. Anytime you start feeding things you should be fighting, it's a sign your enemy has you bound and in a defeated place. Quit feeding things you should be fighting. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Starve those things out. Here's the mistake the Philistines made. Adam, if you can help me with this scripture. Watch this. Next scripture. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Here's the mistake. The mistake the Philistines made was they did not put a barber in Samson's prison. Remember what that hair represented? His covenant, his relationship with God. Here's the secret to your comeback. It starts in your head. Before you ever get up physically, before you ever get up spiritually, before you ever get up emotionally, before you ever get up financially, you have to get up mentally. Remember the story of the prodigal son? He said, to himself, in his mind, he said, to himself, it's better in my father's house than it is right here, right now. And he got up. It starts in your head. It starts in your mind. It starts with making a decision that I'm going to get up and I'm going to go back and I'm going to go back to the father and I'm going to receive everything he has for me and I'm going to start from this moment on and let everybody see that God brought me back from whatever situation you found yourself in. God brought me back. And you can be a testimony, just like the people I read to you, that God, you serve a God of the comeback. Would you get up with me this morning? Come on, let's put those hands together. Let's give the Lord praise one more time. Judges chapter 16 verse 28 says this Samson just knew something was happening on the inside of him and this is what he prayed He said sovereign Lord remember me you know I've spoke to you about that word remember put me back together remember me put me back together Lord Strengthen me just one more time and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Mm. And he placed his hands on the two pillars and his strength came back in him. And he brought those pillars down on top of the Philistines that day. And he killed more Philistines that day than previously at any other time in his life. It starts with the decision, I'm going back. I'm coming back to the Father. It starts with a cry out, Father, remember me. Remember me. Strengthen me, Lord. Strengthen me. Some of you are in this room and you're like, I've, I've cried out to God. I've done this a hundred times. We'll do it 101. Because this may be the greatest. Come on, this may be the time. This may be it. Mike, here's what I know. God would not put this message on my heart without having a harvest in mind because there are people under the sound of my voice that you need to come back. And the first comeback is I need to come back to God. I need to come back to God. I need to come back to God's house. I need to come back and and, and allow God to use me as he's gifted me to do. So if that's you this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I want to come back. I need to come back. I'm ready to come back to the Lord. Would you just lift up your hand right where you're at? God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. Come on, anyone else? God bless you. That's all right. Get them up there. It's all right. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. I know it's tight. I know it's crowded. And I know you may have never done anything like this before. But but trust me when I'm asking what I'm asking you to do. Those of you that raised their hand, your hands, I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to meet me right here. Just come on. As they come, church, put your hands together and give God praise. Come on. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, church. Let these, let them in. Come, in. Come in. Come in. come on 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 in. You ought to be praising God right now. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Hey, there's still time for you. There's still time for a comeback. Come on, get out of your seat and join us. Pastor, I'm ready for a comeback. I'm ready to get back to God. I'm ready to, I'm tired of this pig pen. I'm tired of this way of life. I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of the mess I find myself in. I'm just tired of it. I'm ready to come home. Come on. Come on, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. Come on. The Lord is waiting on you. Come on. 30 more seconds. Come on. That's it. Come on. Come on. Come on, encourage them. That's it. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, it's time to get on the team. It's time to get on the team. Come on. It's time to get on the team. Well, preacher, you know what? I got to get some things together. I got to, I got, no, you don't. You can't get it together. You've tried on your own. God is the only one. I'm telling you, as soon as you turn, he's coming after you. As soon as you turn, he's coming after you. As soon as you turn, he's coming after you. I'm going to pray in 15 seconds. We're going to pray in 15 seconds. Come on. Come on. Listen, I'm passionate about souls. This is why I'm here. This is why I'm standing in this moment right now. I don't want to see anybody lost. I don't want to see anybody going going to hell. I don't want to see anybody without God. Come on. Five more seconds and I'm going to pray. You have a chance. It's not too late. Remember what he said? I kept telling him it's not too late. We can still win. It's not too late. It's not too late. I'm telling you it's not too late. It's not too late. It's not too late. It's not too late. I wouldn't be laboring in this moment if I didn't feel God tell me to keep laboring in this moment. Because I have to obey God. Come on. Come on. I have to obey God. I know there's a couple of more people. Come on. Don't hold up our tailgate party. Come on. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. Heaven's waiting. The Father's waiting. The Father's waiting. The Father's waiting. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. Those of you that are in this altar, I don't want you to feel the weight of condemnation. That's conviction. That's a good thing. Conviction to your soul is like pain to your body. It lets you know that something's not right. God is bringing it back into alignment right now. Amen. Father, those of you in this altar, I want you to pray this with me. Dear Jesus.